Step one, wake up early, gonna rise with the sun. Step two, get some good, some food in you. Step three, think real hard about what you wanna be. Step four, fuck everybody, just do your thing. Wake up, today's gonna be a good day. All right, good afternoon, guys. Uh, welcome to, I believe this is episode four of Stonebridge Stories. Today, I'm greeted with two fabulous teachers, one who is for some reason leaving us, and I'll let him just, just explain why. Um, though when he comes back, you'll have to give him, call him something different. But for the moment, on my left, I have Mr. Jackson, uh, soon to be Dr. Jackson, uh, here on my left. And on the right, I have Miss Candace Blackstock. Um, so, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Very All much. Right. All right. Well, <clears throat> we were about to start talking about dry rooms, which is something that one of the many things that I've learned from you through the years. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated is the location of the chorus room, because every time you leave the door open and I have to use the restroom, I get to hear something new. I feel like I get a little mini music lesson just going into the bathroom and then coming back out. And one of the things I've appreciated a lot through the years is just your sensitivity to sound, right? So even going back to this idea of dry rooms, before we get officially started, um, <laughs> I heard that there's a room that is, let's see, it's, there's no sound. And if you stand there too long, then there's a lot of negative consequences. Yes. Well, it could be negative depending upon your psychological makeup, more than likely. But but there are certain rooms that have been built that are really, really, that have enough acoustical um, absorption that they basically take out any ambient noise that's around. Um, and it takes, a, takes it out so much that you end up hearing your body. So you end up hearing your heartbeat. You could possibly hear the blood rushing in the back of your ears. If your ears ring, most people don't recognize from time to time that their your ears may be constantly ringing. Um, like matter of fact, right now, my ear is ringing and, and I probably need to go to a doctor to check that out. But, um, <laughs> but like, like you probably, your ears are probably picking up different noises and vibrations. So if you're in that room, you may actually hear that. You could hear the clicking of, of, of different things going on in your body, your heartbeat, all that type of stuff. And because it's so quiet that it, like I said, psychologically speaking, it could make certain people feel extremely emotionally uncomfortable. Wow. I think I have to clear my throat. Can I do that in the middle? I feel like I pay money for that. Like I just went to a sensory deprivation tank. I'm pretty sure I paid 50 bucks for the pleasure, which you just described as being torture. Um, maybe I have issues. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> well, it depends because like that sensory deprivation thing, you may still be picking up. I'm not sure how it was built, but you may still be picking up something that could be somewhat calming um, to the point where you don't really hear certain things like, your heartbeat or the blood rushing through your your veins or your skin or behind your ears or brain or something like that. But like it'll get for from what I hear, because I've never been there, but from what I hear, it gets to a point where you almost 
are wondering if there's somebody in the room, you know, because like you're hearing all of this stuff, but it's not from outside. It's literally inside you, you know, so yeah, it can, it can be from what I hear. I don't know. I'd probably be very intrigued to go into it just to see what I could hear. That's amazing. Well, and you know, I feel like your description of that is a classic example of how well you describe things. So for me, I'd say that that was one of the things that I feel like you've really added to being a part of this department is your ability to just, and I've, I, I've complimented you on it so many times, <laughs> no. but I love it because there's so many times when I get like brain fog, I get things stuck in my head, but you have this way of articulating things that I'm feeling and that I'm thinking, but I can't quite get out. So with that being the case, what do you think your biggest thing that you've contributed to Stonebridge has been? Um, dang. That's a hard question. Um, I think it all boils down to the students. Uh, I think the opportunity to touch and change lives of students um, in this department and to provide them with a certain amount of exposure to um, what the world of choral music or vocal music can do outside of Loudoun County, I think was really important. Um, uh, My predecessor, uh, Miss Settle, uh, one of the things she told me when I came in was that she really wanted me to provide opportunities for the students to go outside of Loudoun, outside of Virginia, preferably, Um, beyond just going to Hershey Park and doing like one of those little choir festivals where you go and sing for like, you know, a brief 10, 15 minutes, and then you go and play in the park, but really something that was going to expose to them the, the different aspects of what all of this is about, but in a grander scale. And that's what I was hoping to do. Um, and I think that that happened. Like I, I, I tell my students, your program is not built to be a Loudoun County public school chorus department. It is built to be a chorus department that you could transplant into any state. And it's still going to be a program that touches and changes lives of the people who listen to it, who perform in it, or, or who just simply learn from it. If you leave this program, you're gonna leave this program with a knowledge and understanding of your voice and of your power and of, and of your capabilities as a person with that voice, whether it's through singing or whether it's not. Um, and and you're gonna be, be put to the test, you know, because it's real to me. So you're gonna be put to the test, but at some point when it all comes down and, or when it all comes to an end and, and you walk out, you can say, you know what? I'm a better person. I know myself more. Um, and, and I feel like that I grew from it. Uh, so that, I think that's really all it is. It's the opportunity to work with young people to create that. That being said, for somebody who says that I express myself in a nice way or in a, in a very clear way, that is absolutely wrong in comparison to you because you are probably 
the most intellectually gifted linguist. Did you you like how I put that together? That was pretty good. I like I'm that. With you guys, you guys have a podcast. This is totally just you two guys. Like, you guys have another sure. career for sure. Uh, hold on, let me drop my voice. So, you are a very gifted. This is PBS. <laughs> You're listening to. Oh, see, I was about to say the something. Sounds of but, Dr. Jackson. Yeah. Well, not yet. Not yet. But yeah, for somebody who seems to be about visual arts, you seem to have a, have a, a strong understanding of, of um, language arts. So my question is, is, is there a transfer for you in how you express yourself artistically and how you express yourself linguistically? Hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because I was in art school for a couple of years and there was a period of time where I thought that I should be an English major. So I stopped going to art school and I was an English major for a very short period of time. And it's always been one of those things where I've been interested in both, but one just kind of won out. Um, but I definitely think that you're improved by the people around you. And through the years, I've just, I've seen how you delegate your words and it's had such a good effect, a positive effect on me. And speaking of, um, your time here at Stonebridge, outside of the idea of expansion, what are some things that you felt like um, you did to make this department yours, to really put your spin on your classes? Okay, but before we, before I answer that. She's good, those transitions. Yeah, did you, did you see that? <laughs> that was smooth. I mean, my God. Yeah, she's like, and <laughs> such and such and such and such. <laughs> And you delegate your words. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. She said, delegate your words. You see what I'm saying, people? Mm -hmm. uh, delegate your words. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, okay, what, were you, what was your question? <laughs> How have you made the chorus department yours? Like, what is, what is Mr. Jackson about your classes? Oh, you know what? So that, that's pretty simple. Um, I've made the chorus department mine by making the chorus department my students. I like that. that that's really what, what I did. Um, in my first four years, it was about setting a standard. It was about setting a foundation so that the students understood what they were walking into, what the expectations were, what the standard of excellence was. That, that's all it really was. And then after that, it was about uh, be truly becoming a conductor teacher where my role is to, just like any other scientific conductor, just pass energy from one side to the next, provide moments of transfer from one side to the next or from one idea to the next, um, but provide them with the opportunities to lead or to at least learn what certain things should be, should be, at least in the musical aspects, so that at, cert at a certain time, they can take over. They can say, okay, we got it. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's take this song and make it our own. Let's take this performance and make it our own. And my job is to just basically direct and say, hey, you're doing good. Let's get more of this. Let's get more of that. 
but it's yours. I can't do that for you. I can't sing this for you. I can't take this audition for you. It's really got to be you. So the biggest thing was to was to take oh here's a here's a good way of saying it to decentralize the conductor and make it more student based make it more individually student based so that they took ownership of of everything and i think the last if it wasn't for the pandemic i think you would see more of that um but but especially this year it was more about okay like even our spring concert when we were preparing for it during our dress rehearsal i i literally told a couple of my senior leaders i need you to run this i need you to run this dress rehearsal get them on stage get them off stage show them how they're going to get on stage show them how they're going to get off stage run the entire program as a uh, uh the entire concert program i'll be back i got to go pick something up so that's what i did went back and and they ran it two times and then I said do you feel good you feel ready to go yep all right there you go so that that's really the idea is to provide for them the opportunity to take ownership um and honestly I got that from watching other teachers it's really from other classes it's not just mine so when you're in your science classroom and you have a lab project that teacher is is stepping away so that you can utilize your goals or your tools to meet a certain goal in your AP art room those students are intrinsically motivated to do the work that they need to do to express the things that they need to do is that about right yeah definitely can i clear my throat again I'm better. Yeah, actually, no, that's totally, um, I feel like as a teacher, I'm just kind of like a liaison, you know, I'm a facilitator, rather, and I, I really feel comfortable taking that role, but I like how you put it, decentralizing um, being a conductor. So let me ask you this, um, with that being the case, if you were talking to a new teacher, you kind of differentiated the first four years versus you know, the years that came after where you played more of that decentralized role, did the first four years need to happen in order to have those other years? Or can you just skip straight to that decentralization? I think it depends on the, the classroom that you have, the students that you have, um, and the curriculum that you have. Um, I needed to take three or four years, because that was the plan. Like the plan was always three years, uh, develop the students that we have. Um, hopefully certain students who may have had another teacher will eventually understand what the process is about and the, what the journey is. Um, a lot of times they don't. Um, and that's really difficult for, for performing arts teachers. So like for band and orchestra, when you have a student who has committed their, their multiple years to a particular ideology uh, for, for their class, bringing somebody in that's new can be really difficult. If it's an English course, it's a little different. Like if it's English one, 
you're not going to see those students for more than a year. You have a new group of students. They're going to have a new idea. So what you're trying to do is just trying to establish your ground rules. But when you can develop a, a, a curriculum, a path, a journey, uh, a goal, um, you can take your time in, in developing how those students create that, that sense of ownership and that sense of leadership. Um, so yeah, for me, it probably needed to be at least two or three years just because we had a bunch of different students with multiple ideas, with multiple philosophies coming into an area where we all needed to figure out a way of galvanizing what the main goal was. Uh, that being said, I've, I've gone into situations where, yeah, it took one year mm. or where, you know, it took a few months or you, or you just throw them into the fire and be like, all right, here you go. And I, what? Because to be honest with you, I think some, some students need that. Like some students need to recognize, oh, you know what? He was serious about <laughs> if, if, if it's going to be mine, it's going to be mine. I need to be ready for it. So uh, I guess to, to use another transfer moment, <laughs> um, once you're, once, if you have a child, once your child starts to learn how to drive, you don't let them just get on the road and just drive by themselves. You need to be in the car to direct them, to get them to understand what they're looking at, what, what the rules of the road are, but, but also understand the, the, the very sensitive mannerisms of how to manage that car. And then at a certain point, the only way to really gauge their knowledge and understanding of it is to let them go. So that is what we did here is you, you guide them, you guide them, you let them watch you, you let them watch how you, how you navigate the road, how, you, how much pressure you put on the accelerator, when to back off, all that type of stuff. And then you put them in the seat, you guide them while they're, while they're driving, and then you step out of the car you let them go. Hopefully I can do that for my actual kids. I don't think I'm going to be able to. They may never drive ever. <laughs> well, they're in elementary school right now. I, I don't care. I have to plan ahead. You have to, you have to plan ahead. I mean, one of them's four foot eight now. So it's like she, she's, she's getting to the point where it's like she, she'll walk into the classroom and I actually have high school students who are her height. And it's like, no. No. Is she getting that tall? Yeah, she's at least four. I'm pretty sure she's about four eight, four nine. Good gracious. Now, no, obviously, that's, that's a that's I'm a calculating that now. That's mm -hmm. really tall. Yeah, that's it's the milk. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like three inches from from obviously from five feet, which means that she'd be at least one or two inches shorter than some of my mid level students or not or lower to mid-level students so that i don't know to me that's crazy that is i'm that's five crazy. four so she's the last time i saw her she was substantially shorter so i think one of the things that's really interesting about this department and i can't really comment on other departments is oftentimes we have that opportunity to have our students for a really long stretch of time so i can easily have a student for four years and I feel like that's such a luxury because you can really nurture their growth during that period of time. You don't have to move as fast with certain things. And I also feel like for me personally, um, we almost brand ourselves. 
So I don't know if you feel that way, but I know in like with art classes, I kind of have this brand that I kind of stick to so that when the kids come to my class or when they're talking to other students about my class, they all kind of have a consensus on how they feel when they come in. So for me, art is not, um, I don't come with a lot of energy. I come more with a lot of relaxation. It's like I like to calm the kids so that they can kind of, you know, set their work on fire sort of a thing. So did you find that through the years that you branded your class? And if so, what, what did that brand look like? I don't know. I don't know what the brand looked like, but I know <laughs> <laughs> um, that there was a brand. Um, uh, it probably had more to do with just certain mottos that I had, you know, strive for excellence, strive to touch lives. Um, you build family, blood is thicker than water. So that means, you know, you're going to have to work to shed a little bit of, a little bit of, you're going to, you're going to, the work that you're going to do is going to create a little bit of pain, but through that pain and through that effort, you're going to grow and you're going to grow as a family. Um, and I don't coddle, I don't coddle students. Uh, and I think many of my students really appreciate that. Um, there was a student during, who was it? Oh, wait, I can't say students, can I? Can I say students who have graduated? You could just say like the first name. Okay. <laughs> or oh. it's like student. Okay. Yeah. Well, there was a, one particular student who graduated last, last year, I think. Uh, just go with BC. He, he um, we were, no, oh, it was a year before. We were, um, it was during that time of virtual learning. And no, it was last year because that was when we had our first in-person performance. And uh, they, um, we had a moment where we all got to talk and some people, some people were still online and stuff and BC said out of all the classes that they had been to, this chorus department has not changed its standard. It is what it is. Wow. Didn't matter if it was online or not, there was still a standard, you needed to meet it. Nice. If you were going to be here. Um, the good thing about that is that I think it, it, it was, it's because of the bonds that the students built. Like I said, mm -hmm. it's thicker than water. That's why I, I, told, I tell my students, all the time that um, I don't like icebreakers. They're like, why? It's like, because all icebreakers do is, is create water. You just break the ice, it's gonna melt once it gets into the fire and then it's gonna create water. Then it's gonna evaporate and go. With family, it's blood. Oh. With family, and, and heat is not going to make that blood evaporate, it's going to consolidate or maybe I don't know <laughs> but like the idea is that if blood is thicker than water then we're going to last longer than anybody else y'all yeah. may fight but those fights stay inside of our family we don't fight out there we don't we don't let people know what our discussions are about if we have issues we handle them in our room we handle them here we don't handle them out there we don't go to anybody else we take care of it in here because that's what family does you know um, and I think the students sort of got that. I think they sort of got that. Now, the issue with that 
is that I think that type of intensity scared away a lot of students, scared away a lot of potential students that you know, may have considered joining choir as a fun way of just getting to sing, um, which it still could have been for them, but because of that brand of, this is Mr. Jackson, if you come in, if you come into his class, he's going to get you singing. You're, you're going to sing in front of people. You are going to do things the right way. And they said, oh, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I'm not that serious. And, and they'll think, well, you know, I don't want to be a music major. I don't want to make music my profession. Well, most of my students don't. Um, I think like one in every 20 may make it into a profession or something like that. Um, so it's not that. It's just this is how we operate. This is how we build bonds. This is how we build support of one another so that when we go someplace, we know that we're ready for whatever situation we're put in. Like I know my students are ready for any performance that they're put in. I know they're ready to deal with any situation that I throw at them. But like I said, that type of intensity can really scare some people away. And I, and I think that's the unfortunate part, which is also one of the reasons why I'm kind of happy that the person who's coming in is probably gonna give it a, a new fresh take so that she can build her new path mm -hmm. in it, you know. But she's still gonna have those students who are like, we're driven, we wanna do the best we can, and we wanna help others do the best we, they can too. So it should be fun for her. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like oftentimes when it comes to any of the arts, when a person doesn't know a lot about them, then they have this kind of flattened perspective of what it's about, right? So even with like the visual arts, a lot of times students will think that it's about your hands when really it's about your eyes. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you is chorus isn't just about your voice, but it's also about that sense of community. It's very much so about the person next to you as well, um, which I think is an incredibly hard thing to develop in a world that's getting more and more isolated and more and more fractionized. Is that even a word? <laughs> Fractionated? Fractionization. It, you can use any word you want to <laughs> because you are a wordsmith. But I think so. I, I think from, <laughs> from that perspective, it's like a bigger calling that you have because that's such a strong trend that I feel like is happening where people are so divided. So to be able to walk into a classroom and you think that it's just gonna be whether or not you can hit that note, but really it's about creating bonds, creating community with the person that you may have never met before, other classmates in your, in your classroom, I think is pretty amazing. So with looking at your students, um, what would you want them to say about you when you leave? What would you, if you could just kind of be a fly on the wall and a student's like, oh yeah, Mr. Jackson, dot, 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 what would you want for them to say? Um, I would want for them to say that they knew that I was going to give them everything that I have to make sure that they were doing everything they wanted to do or to achieve, but it had to be honest. 
you know, it, it wasn't going to be a fake, there, there wasn't going to be a fake moment in it. They weren't going to be told, you're amazing as a singer or, or for that particular performance just because. Because truth be told, I think Loudon especially, and I, and I don't care, I'm leaving, so <laughs> they, they may be all like, I don't like that he said that about us. But I, I think Loudon has done a really, really nice job from time to time um, coddling our students' musical capabilities. There's a ton of talent. There is a ton of talent. Um, and I came from a place that, I mean, Luis Fonzi graduated from my, from my former high school. You know, the guy who sang Despacito? Despacito. <laughs> um, uh, Joey Fatone from NSYNC came from my school. Wayne Brady came from my high school. Um, uh, just a whole bunch of wonderful, wonderful, Makia Cox, who, who's in, the, who's in that, sh that ABC show, The Rookie. She majored in musical theater <laughs> at FSU. Um, so, like, we, Orlando has just so much diversity and talent when it comes to music. But Loudon is no slouch. Like, these kids are some of the brightest students that I've ever seen. Um, but I believe the county has done, an, has, in its own way, provided a false sense of self when it comes to performing arts. And I think it has to do with exposure. I think they are not exposed to what's outside of Loudoun County nearly as much, unless it's a musical theater. Um, because they can get to New York really, really quickly, or they can get to downtown DC and watch a show that just came into town. But that's really about it. Um, and because of that, I think either A, they're naive, sometimes they can be a little bit naive to how good they are, whether it's they are much better than what they, than what they think they are, or whether it's they are, they are not as good as what they <laughs> think they are, um, that, but it's because they're not getting the right information. They're not getting honest information mm -hmm. about themselves or about, not about themselves, but about their performance capabilities. Um, so my goal is to give them the honest truth. And sometimes it may not be what they want to hear, but it's going to provide them with the information they need to grow. So I'm going to do whatever I can, and I hope my students understood that I was going to do whatever I could to make sure that they grew healthily, um, and in a safe environment. It may not have always been the environment where, where they can, where they know somebody's gonna say, you're just amazing and great and wonderful <laughs> at, at singing and, and, making, and learning about music. No, that, that may not always happen. As a person, they're gonna find that out. They're gonna know, um, like for instance, we do this thing called hot seat, where basically they have to sit in a chair in front of the entire class and the entire class basically tells them a whole bunch of positive things about themselves and they hate it because most people hate hearing positive things about themselves especially when they're teenagers because they don't believe them wow. so they're always saying to themselves i'm hearing this stuff but it doesn't equate because in my mind 
I feel like it's completely the opposite. So it's literally every positive thing is tearing down another wall of, of negativity that they put on themselves. Um, so they don't believe that they're as good as what they could be anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they don't even believe that. So at first, we got to tear down some of these facades, some of these ideas, some of these untruths, and give them the, the actual truth of where they are, and then build them from there. And that, that, I hope that's what they understood. I hope. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of students didn't like it. But at the same time, I think a lot of students trust me, mm-hmm. especially students who are not in the course department, hmm. especially them, because I see a bunch of kids who are not in the course department come to me quite often. Um, I don't always remember their names. I'm sorry, I don't always <laughs> remember your names. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, but, I, but I love you, y'all. You touched my heart, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember everybody's name. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, that sounds like a really powerful tradition, the hot seat. Are there any traditions that you would hope continue on after you leave that you've established in the chorus department? Or is it really just a, you know what, let's let it all go and start fresh? To some extent, a little bit of both. Um, I think the hot seat is a great, great thing. Because I think everybody, I think everybody needs to sit down, tell somebody all the positives that they think about themselves or, or that they think about the other person, just so people can, can understand the, the power behind not just what other, how other people feel about them, but what we do to ourselves and in pulling ourselves down. It's not, it's not just about being humble because that's, that's beyond that. You are literally lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're literally just lying yeah. to yourself. Like, I'm trying to be humble. No, humility doesn't mean lie. Hum- humility doesn't mean dishonesty. It means you know where you are. You know who you are. You know what you can and you can't do. And you accept that. Not you are a horrible person. You should feel like a horrible person. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of do. We, our brains are difference engines. We're always trying to find the negative things. We're always trying to figure out how to be better. And because we're always trying to figure out how to be better, we always keep the negative things that we do. We never think about the positive things. Yeah, and you know, it's really interesting about that is sometimes I'll have a student that'll insist that they have some kind of negative something. And I'll tell them, well, actually, you're doing really good with X, Y, Z and then they won't believe me. And they'll see that as a form of humility, but I see it sometimes as a form of arrogance. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so you're always right. Yep. So even when you're being self-deprecating, you're always right about it. Well, I'm here to tell you as a professional that I really like what you've done on your you know, piece. So it's really an interesting dialogue that can happen with that. So even with- Hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. That, no, you're, you're absolutely right because, and I've said this to many students, you're going to tell me, the person with a master's degree in this field, that I'm wrong about your voice when you don't have a degree yet at all and you just started singing. It's like, come on now. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. It is, there is a lot of arrogance. You see, I told you. <laughs> girl, go girl, go girl. Well, speaking of your master's degree, 
What is your next step? Um, so I plan on receiving my PhD in choral music education from Temple University. Uh, it is, it could be anywhere between a three to five year program, <laughs> uh, which I am absolutely excited about, absolutely afraid of, um, because like the, uh, yeah, PhD is real. Like that, that is a real doctorate um, that is based on a lot of research, a lot of learning how to research. Um, and although I love math, um, doesn't mean I always like to do it. Um, well, you have to do more math. Oh gosh, yes. Oh wow. Oh gosh, yes. Statistics, statistical analysis, um, learning different formulas and equations to apply to uh, find um, uh, significant correlations or insignificant correlations or um, all that type of stuff. It's fun. Like I, I've done a little bit of it in my master's degree, but um, like just the dissertation alone could end up taking two years, just gathering enough data to provide a, a valid research study or at least valid numbers for a research study or a research project. So yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be real. I'm gonna take, I suspect, another three classes on statistical analysis and data. Oh, good gracious me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's really intense. So what's the end goal? Uh, hopefully to um, go to the college or university level and, and help to develop a music education program for a particular college or university and maybe even a master's degree program for that college or university, whether it's in music education or, or um, choral conducting. Um, truth be told, like my greatest dream when I think about it is to go to a historically black college university mm -hmm. uh, because the many of these colleges or universities uh, do not offer graduate degrees in music. Matter of fact, Norfolk State, Howard University um, are probably the two most legitimate HBCUs that offer some form of graduate degree in music of, of any sort. And, and none of them offer doctoral degrees in anything. And that's more of a, I'm guessing, a financial issue than it is hmm. a, a faculty um, capability. Mm -hmm. So my goal is to possibly go into another HBCU and see if there's a way of developing a graduate program there. Um, or go to Howard University and see if there's a possibility of developing a PhD program. Oh, that would be amazing. It would be a lot of fun and, and a lot of work. Um, and I'm getting old, so I don't know if I can do all that work. <laughs> but uh, that I think, I think it's something that is a necessity. Now, if I can't make that happen, that's fine. Um, as long as I'm still teaching and helping others learn what their voice is going to be in the choral music landscape, I think that I think that's really important to me. Would you ever be interested in teaching teachers? 
that that that's the that's the eventual goal is to teach teachers did y'all hear that <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> okay that that was from yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, it's bad. Yeah, man, that, that just threw me off. I was like, oh, my gosh, my ears must be going crazy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's the goal. That's the goal with the music education programs is to develop pre-service teachers and to get them to understand the new landscape of choral music education so that they understand how to approach a classroom environment in a way that um, provides individual students with more voice choice, more more influence, um, more authenticity with for for music within their culture, mm-hmm. um, because we have a lot of people who we have a lot of educators who I think they mean well, you know I think they mean not well music educators did I say that mm-hmm. yeah we have a lot of music educators who I think mean well by providing a diverse array of musical um, ethnicity within their classroom, but they may provide certain music that is really not very appropriate or, or not um, a true representation, or the, at least the performance may not be a true representation of that culture, which leads them to issues with anything from students not feeling committed to the program because they're not seeing themselves in it um, or bad recruitment because students don't feel comfortable comfortable because they know that the program isn't going to reflect any of its culture in an appropriate manner mm-hmm. you know yeah so. no that makes sense well, as a future teacher of teachers, and really as a current teacher of teachers, because you've definitely been like a mentor to me while you've been here, what, what's... I'm a crow. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's some advice that you would like to leave the teachers in this department? Specifically um, me, so that I can be even better after you go. <laughs> I'm not going to leave it all here. We, we can call each other. <laughs> yes. You just come You're up to Philly, we'll talk. Now. Yeah, you just come up to Philly and talk. Um, uh, I think I think the biggest thing is that you have to be true to yourself, regardless of what the department or the community feels you should be doing. Um, because if you go into it being what you believe the community wants of you instead of being who you are within the community, at some point um, you're going to be causing yourself a lot of emotional wear and tear. It, it just takes too much energy being anything other than yourself, you know. Yeah. So be you, be who you are. Kids come first, regardless of what the department says, regardless of what anybody says. You got to serve your classroom. You control the environment, which in turn controls you. So you can't control what 
so-and-so does in this class or what so-and-so does in this class, but you can control what you do in your class and you can control that environment. Um, once that environment is secure, uh, then you can start to connect with other environments. Mm. One of the things that, that I walked in on was our chorus department was big and wonderful my first year, but it was so connected to the drama department that we couldn't do things that were very choral specific. Um, uh, even if we wanted to do certain performances, well, a third of our, of our advanced or honor choir singers are in this drama presentation or are in this whatever. Um, even if we wanted to fundraise to go on a trip, well, matter of fact, our first trip, we didn't take a large majority of our seniors because they were working on the musical. Or because they had paid a certain amount of money to go to New York um, with the drama department, uh, and I mean it was a it was a large portion. It actually got to a point where I had to I I had to create almost a new ensemble of advanced students just to go on a particular trip, um, and. It, it just it, it made me realize that for us to grow as a department, we have to grow within first. Once we were able to grow within, then we were able to talk to other departments on level where we where we could help or assist or come together and collaborate more. But we were we knew ourselves. We were true to ourselves, mm -hmm. like. This is who we are. We can do these things and do those things, but this is who we are. Mm -hmm. And once that occurred, um, things were just amazing. That, then we could, we could participate in the musicals or we could have students participate in the musicals. Um, and we could have students not participate in the, in the musicals and not feel pressured because they weren't participating in the musical. Because I found out that a lot of my students didn't always want to participate in the musical and that's cool. Um, and then our numbers started to regain. We started to grow a little bit more. Uh, so grow within first and then start to connect with the others. But you got to know yourself first. Your program has to know itself. You have to know yourself. Um, and then I guess the last thing is treat each other well. As best you can. <laughs> treat each other well. Uh, because they, you may not be friends with everybody, but you're still living in the same house, you know? So treat each other well. That's don't, really good advice. Don't go and eat somebody else's food in the refrigerator. <laughs> what if it's better? Then, then ask them, how do they make it that way? And then learn how to cook it. <laughs> was wonderful teach them how to fish thank you. yeah exactly thank you so much no thank you um, i feel like i was supposed to ask questions wasn't i i was supposed I to ask questions so. no this is all think, about you i think so yes sure. oh as always oh that's yeah. that, that's see that's messed up it's not always about me <laughs>
Just 50% of the time. Well, today's supposed to be about you. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It's all about you. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm Aww. glad it's all about you. I'm not. A, so it's not all about me, so that's great. But then also, this is this is good. I think this is a good way of, like, kind of sending a teacher off is having something like this. I think so, too. Oh. Yeah. See, like, th this kind of felt like the hot seat. Oh, did it? Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's not... I've never interviewed someone before, and it's actually, it's not easy. It's a different type of active listening mm -hmm. that you have to do in order to keep it smooth and to keep it running and to make sure, because I've seen some interviews where it's like the person can go completely off this direction, and then the interviewer just has these, you know, stagnant questions that they want to stick to, and they're not responding really to what the person said. They're just moving straight on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like having that ability to listen to what they're saying and see if you can like, it's hard. Yeah, I have a podcast <laughs> for the Diversity Coalition for our American Choral Directors Association, ah. the, the Virginia chapter. And okay. one of our podcasts, uh, actually we've had two of them, and both of them were uh, me and a friend basically hosting and we had to basically listen to someone that, that we invited in to talk about different issues that are going on. And the best part about it, and maybe this is just me, but the best part about it was, like you said, the act of listening allowed me to pick out certain things that they were saying and go, oh, wait, write down a, a new question and say, can, I, can we go back to this real quick? Because I just, yeah. I just want you to elaborate on this for a second. Forget all this other stuff that we, that we cued and uh, prepped before because that's what we did. We basically prepped all the questions, allowed them to answer it, and then see what would happen after. And it was so much fun. But yeah, it, you're right. It is a completely different type of listening. It is. It's and fun. you took notes because that would have been easier because I'm trying to store everything up here and it's. Yeah, I, I would just write down a couple of things like they said blank, 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 blank. Oh, that's really cool. And oh. then I would look down and say, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> And, and fill it in, like fill in some missing airtime and then know that it was going to get edited after. Yeah, that so makes we could, sense. So we can make it cleaner. Well, you know, I've never, um, I've never listened to a podcast because I, I don't know how to access them. <laughs> it's so sad. So I'm actually doing one and I've never listened to one. They seem fascinating. So You'll we're going to talk me. after this podcast. <laughs> yes, please I will. do. One or both of us will get you set up. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> That'll be fantastic. Because I'm like endlessly like, oh, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. And I look at my phone and I'm like, I don't know how to access that. So you don't have, you have an iPhone, right? I do. So you don't have that little purple I don't thing. even pay attention to it. I know. It's so sad. Okay. Here's one more question that has to do with like school and stuff. So have you met the other, you referred to the other course teacher as a she. So does that mean that you've. Yes. Oh. Yes. Can I can I say her name? Well, she can be here next year, so yeah. Okay. Um, well, her name is Christine Tarrant. Uh, okay. She is going to be part time here, and part time at Tuscarora High School. Okay. She's been in the county for quite a long time, longer than me, I believe. I think it's at least eight to ten years. Oh, okay. Um, and she's a really nice lady. Uh. Um, good music educator, knows her stuff. Uh, I think, I think she's gonna add a maternal aspect to the to the community, to the choral community specifically, that 
maybe I wasn't really able to add. I think I added a big brother, silly, mean dad <laughs> aspect to it. You're a good big brother. Yeah, I think I added that, you know. But I, I think she's going to add this maternal connection to the students that I think they'll all feel um, was either needed or or is going to be appreciated. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I look forward to meeting her. That'll be cool. Well, speaking of which, I'm not sure when this is airing, but she will be here on June 6th at 6 oh, p.m. Okay. She's going to do a little meeting, meet and greet with certain students and parents to talk to them about what next year is going to look like. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And I'll be here in the room, and then I'll walk out and cry a little bit, <laughs> and I'll come back. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, I have one last question. Your last show, I couldn't make it because I was sick, but did you have that, like, were there any tears shed? Yes. Oh, we're there. Um, maybe, well... I held in mine. I, I basically just closed my eyes and just put my head down oh. um, during like the last speech given by our chorus president at the time. Um, but there were moments like uh, when we were doing the the Moses the, the song that was a tribute to Moses Hogan. Um, just because of my infatuation with his life, that uh. There was a song called Done Made My Vow, um, where I just listened to the words. And it, there, there was this one part that said, I will go, I shall go to see what the end will be. Mm-hmm. And, and it just hit me because it was like, that's what it felt. That's what this feels like. Uh, it feels like I'm leaving a place where I'm most comfortable to see what my final destination is going to be. Mm. Um, so like that moment hit me kind of hard. Um, uh, uh, the um, advanced treble choir, Bel Canto, singing I Am Not Yours hit me kind of hard too hmm. because it's just, just the words, uh, feeling like I want to be lost in this moment uh, and longing to be lost in this moment, knowing that I can't was 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 powerful and sweeping through the city was it it was the first not the first moment that's wrong it was one of the few moments where the the concert was one of the few moments where you knew that if we were on stage we were emotionally engaged mm-hmm. and the audience became emotionally engaged mm-hmm. and that's not always something that happens at a chorus concert. That was something that we've been trying to develop to get everybody connected in the same spirit during a, during a performance. And, and it got to that point, and I think it, it was, there was an overwhelming emotional uh, catharsis a well, little bit. You know, it's, it's, it must be so hard leaving when you're kind of hitting a crescendo. Is that the right musical term that I use? Nice. Yes. <laughs> so, and I, it's funny because there's been so many times in my life where I have a hard time letting go of something. And it's a moment where it's like, okay, I have to let go of something good. It's incredibly hard to let go of something good to move on to what you think is going to be something great. It's mm-hmm. that kind of 
in-between moment where you're kind of free falling and you're like, I hope this is great because I just love something really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big risk, a big risk, but that's what it feels like. It feels like it, uh, we called it the end game for, for a reason. Like we are, the, the pandemic took a decent portion of our chorus program, mm -hmm. which is why I'm kind of hoping that this comes out uh, before the kids leave. Because before the pandemic, our program, at least numbers-wise, was about to reach a place where it had been when I first came in. And that, that was going to be rare. Like, that, that was going to be rare. We were going to be one of the larger chorus programs in the county. And then the pandemic hit. And it immediately, I wouldn't say like a Thanos snap and knocked out 50% <laughs> of our population, but it did actually knock out about 30% of our chorus department. Um, and we have not really recovered from it. So it was like what I thought our fourth year was supposed to be, which was our true end game. We're gonna finish this off, mm -hmm. we're gonna start you know, we've built the foundation. We're going to get to this new level. The pandemic hits and it shows, ha ha ha, nope, this was infinity war. <laughs> you just, you just lost a third of your choir department and you're not going to get them back for a while. And that's what happened. So basically this year has been us rebuilding and, and showing students that the foundation is still there. We are still getting through it. You, you, you are still the best chorus department in Loudoun County, easily, easily. And and I'm not saying that to be facetious. I, I, like I said before, I'm always honest. Mm -hmm. I believe for a fact that this is the most talented group of students in Loudoun County. I would not trade it in for any school for any group of students. Um, but they're small. Mm. So this last concert was kind of like me saying, I, I don't know if I'm going to be the right person to see you all move forward. Wow. The next thing you all need to do is to build around this strong foundation that you have built. Hmm. And you're going to need each other and you're going to need a new voice to get you there. So the sacrifice is gonna be mine. Hmm. So that's why we called it Endgame. I'm gonna put forth this effort. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna put you all in a position where you can be successful and you can show people that we are still who we are. And then I'm going to step away. Wow, what a powerful exit. Yeah, see, now I'm about to cry. Oh, no! <laughs> so I'm not going to cry. I don't want to mess up the, the equipment. Okay, it's waterproof. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, that's sort of what it felt like. Um, and, these, and these seniors, oh my gosh. Like these seniors, they, before the pandemic, they were expecting a program that would that could take them to England, you know, take them to California, 
like that. That's where we were thinking. We were thinking world choir games and um, and stuff like that. And the pandemic just literally just said no to all that. Yeah. You know, and it, it was just amazing to see them fight through all of this and get to a point that that they are now. You know, where you know people people around the counter are saying that did y'all lose anybody? I mean, did like we're all trying to rebuild what what our sound is. It sounds like y'all never hmm. like y'all never changed. And that's those seniors. Those seniors put forth that effort. Wow. You know, it is it's so for all the students who are still at Stonebridge wondering what's going on, y'all need to come y'all need to come back to choir and see what these kids are doing. They're doing wow. some great stuff. Um, and you should be a you should be involved in it. You really should. You should be involved in it. It's a great, great program, with or without me. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. No, thank you. That was awesome. I'm going to miss you too. I, I'm really going to miss you. Like, if only you knew how many times I've come down to Mr. Jackson's office, and he's like gotten his tape out, and he's taped me back up again and pushed me back into my room. Go ahead, you can do it again. Go ahead, go. You're fine. <laughs> he just tapes me up. Okay, go. You're going to be good. Well, I come into your room all the time, too. So well, It's such a nice consistency. It really, really is. It's going to be really weird next year not having that person. Well, they're still around here somewhere, right? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I know. Yeah, We've no, been it's going to be great. Seven, six, seven, six years, seven years, six. This is six. Six years. Yeah, this is six. And you kind of don't realize how much of a habit you have, and how much until it's like, then it's gone. Oh, it's gonna, you know what? It's gonna be so hard. You know, my last day is literally graduation. Yeah. My last day at LCPS. Like they, they have it marked. Your last day is June seventeenth. Seventeenth. Wow. Um. It is going to be so hard coming into this room, knowing that I'm not going to be coming back. Yeah. You know, it, it is. Yeah. It is going to be. It is going to be so hard. Yeah, that moment when you turn the lights off and then you shut the door, almost like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. The last episode of a sitcom, you know. Oh gosh. Cosby Show. Well, I was thinking mm. Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? yeah. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was thinking the Cosby Show because I think he, he, oh, no, you know what? The Cosby Show, he hadn't fixed the doorbell. Oh. And it was like this running gag where the doorbell was broken the entire year. And then he pushes it one last time. And it sounds like it's broke. And then it starts playing this jazz music. <laughs> um, and then him and his wife start dancing. And they literally break the fourth wall and they walk off the stage together. Oh, that's cool. Um, so it's a, it's a good moment. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll like play some music and just keep the lights on. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> like I'll do that. that. I like that. Okay, the bell rang. What do we do now? Oh, I, think, I think that's it. Uh, uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. I do my, my little part. I'll play my outro. Uh, thank you guys. And step one, wake up early, gonna rise with the sun. Step two, get some good, some food in you. Step three, think real hard about what you wanna be. 
step four. Everybody just do your thing. Wake up. Today's gonna be a good day. 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 Set your affirmations, aspirations I got shit to do, the aftermath of preparation Good food, good mood, blood in circulation One step at a time